I'm Julie Spaziani, and this is who I am. Today is a comic book writer of books such as By the Slice, One Night on Earth, Golden Age, and Cash and Carry, Julie Speziani. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for coming down. Yeah, absolutely. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? What's um, your day job? I am a writer, a uh, comic book writer um, specifically. And I guess my latest uh, comic series that came out uh, just this past year. Um, or I guess in November, December, was Cash and Carry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an all ages um, comic book series about like two middle school detectives solving crimes in their own town. So mm. it's a really interesting. It's for all ages, so it's um, for kids, but adults could read it too. Right, and that came out through Action Labs, is that right? Yes, it did. Okay. And uh, I'm currently writing volume two, mm-hmm. and we'll get that underway probably later in the year because it takes time to get all the art done right um yeah i'm just working on um getting the scripts together and then getting the artists and hashing it all out <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have a um you work during the day and then you uh you write comics as a um is it a passion project or is it something more is that something that you want to move into purely into comics or um i mean yeah i worked during the day and then i pretty much work on comics like at night and on the weekends and it's something that i wish i could um i guess make a living off of but you know i'm i'm not neil gaiman you know i'm not alan moore i'm i mean those guys they're they're pros and even guys that we know that work in the industry or in this industry they don't they can't really make a living off of it Mm -hmm. so it's uh, at this point it's like a hobby but i mean i would love it to for it to be more Mm. yeah Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, one of my you know series could be picked up as a TV show, and then get option money there, and then <laughs> I could go <laughs> ahead and be a freelance writer. But I mean, that's like a shot in the dark. Yeah, mm. but it does happen. That's something that's that seems to be happening more and more with with. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's that is a possibility. But I mean, it's it's kind of like that's not. That's not my goal, but it's more like, okay, if it happens, it's great. If not, you know, I'll still be making it on the side. Mm-hmm. And your, your first book was uh, By the Slice. That yeah, right? uh, that that came out, God, I don't even know what year, but it was my first comic book, and it was um, after I took uh, an intro to writing comics class um, over uh, at Meltdown mm-hmm. on Sunset Boulevard. And so I kind of wrote this story which was semi-autobiographical about this girl working at a pizza place because at one point i was working at a pizza place my boss and i was just like oh my god he is like like the archie bunker like seriously because he was very he had made racist comments you know homophobic comments sexist Mm. comments and then i'm just like you know this is you're making this job worse than it is because you know i'm not i'm not gonna i'm being paid underneath the table minimum wage and, you know, you're, you're making it worse <laughs> because <laughs> I have to listen to you. And so, um, yeah, that was kind of one of those things that, you know, I was just like, yeah, I was miserable. But at the same time, I kind of created something from it. Mm-hmm. Was that here or in uh, Florida? 
Oh, it was in Sherman Oaks. In Sherman Oaks. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of one of those things. I was like, uh, I, I need to find another job. But it was during the time where um, the job market was crashing. And right. So everyone was losing their jobs. So I was just like, at least I found something. But mm-hmm. yeah, once I found another job, I was just like, okay, putting in my two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I had commissioned Cecilia Letela um the artist to go ahead and do the art mm-hmm. so um that was it was great first learning experience because we were just emailing each other back and forth i never met her before right. she lives in italy she, uh, i believe naples and so we were just through email we were just um conversing back and forth like what the art should be and everything like that so it was great mm. how did you initially get in touch with her i think i think it was through digital webbing mm, um okay. so i posted um basically kind of like a job listing on digital webbings asking for, you know, it's going to be this many pages and, you know, there's no hard deadline. And, and she was one of the people that submitted and I looked at her heart and I was like, oh, this is perfect, you know, because all of her um, characters have like these facial expressions and I really liked that. And so I was like, can you do it? And <laughs> she's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you uh, studied art, is that right, uh, in Florida? I actually didn't. Um, I mean, I, I was briefly, I was briefly an art major for like a semester. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But um, I kind of realized early on that I, I did not have the drawing skills to be a professional artist because I'm like, I'm not going to be in a gallery. I'm not that unique and I'm not going to be able to do commercial art because I just don't feel passionate about it. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of like, meh, I you know, go into TV production. So I got my degree in TV production, actually. Oh, okay. But um, I had minored in English, and it was mostly like creative writing. So it was something that I was trying to avoid, but at the same time, I was just like, you know, I, it's something that I'm always drawn to, so why not, like, try to explore more of that? And mm-hmm. then I decided to move out to L.A. to pursue screenwriting. Right. So yeah. When did comics come into it for you? Comics didn't come until like later when I started <laughs> dating my husband um, because uh, we met through a mutual friend and uh, we didn't like each other at first, but that's a whole <laughs> other story. But the second time we met, um, we were more interested in each other than he had. It was funny because he was, you know, just showing me his bedroom, not because anything else was going to happen, but it was more like, oh, you know, this is, this is like my room. And I was like, oh, I see that you have comics. And he had like a small bookshelf. Mm-hmm of like graphic novels. I was like, oh, you're into comics. That's really cool. And he was totally downplaying it. (laughs) And I didn't realize at the time that his closet was filled with short boxes. (laughs) But his closet door was closed, so I didn't know of it. Mm -hmm. But like he was totally downplaying it. I guess he thought I would be, you know, very critical of that. But I was like more intrigued. So then when we would start like dating, he, I was going on a trip to Peru and he gave me a bunch of like graphic novels to read. Mm-hmm. So just kind of like tapping into my personality, thinking, oh, maybe you should read this, maybe you should read that. And just through that, I was able to like get into it more and more. And then, you know, soon enough, I was like going to the comic book shop by myself, you know. Right. Do you remember which novel, graphic novels he gave you? Yeah. Um, he gave me Pride of Baghdad from Brian K. Vaughan. Mm-hmm. And then he gave me Fables, the first volume. Um, Goodbye Chunky Rice from, um, oh my God, Thompson. Craig Thompson, mm-hmm. and then I think another one I forget. Um, but yeah, that was kind of like the initial, initial stash. So it's really, really cool. 
Right. And how did you find out about the the meltdown course? Um, I was so I was um working on the TV show and then uh, while reading these, you know, anything he was giving me, mm-hmm. um, I was just kind of like, you know, I had this idea. And I was just like, you know, it's it's such a big idea. I should really start small. But I'm like, and I asked him, like, do you think there are any, like, courses to, like, write comics? And he's like, I think so. And because he was pointing me at that Scott McCloud had written, you know, yeah. creating comics. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know, I'm sure there's this class. And then it was actually Jared mm-hmm. who told me, oh, I know a guy who's teaching the class at Beltdown. And then I was, you should, you should try it because I think he took the class as well. Right. And so that's when I was like, oh, okay, great. And so that's when I um, signed up for Jim Higgins' class. And mm-hmm. it was, again, uh, like an intro. So he was not only teaching, like, okay, this is this is how you can write comics, but this is also how you can, like, help the artist, you know, uh, executing your comic, if you're not your own artist as well. Mm. So, mm. Did, you, did you find that there's a lot of difference between script writing and comic book writing, or is it... Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, there was definitely that learning curve because I had to, like, learn how to panel it out. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm just like, well, it's literally taking a snapshot of a piece of action that's, like, in motion. So it's like, what part do you tell the artist, like, oh, okay, it's going to be, like, right here where you're going to be focusing on this one panel. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had to learn that. And it was a lot of trial and error. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm still learning it, too. It's not as innate because it's literally just a snapshot of a scene yeah so and depending on how important that scene is you might have like several panels dedicated to that scene or not because you also have to imagine there's action in between the panels mm-hmm. and so you're leaving a lot uh, up to the re- reader so hmm. and um your husband is a he writes comic books as well mm. rob rob harrington rob harrington yes <laughs> um which is funny because uh, when we went to san diego comic-con his book is through Action Lab too, and mm-hmm. they didn't realize we were married, so they had put us up in a room, and they were they were like, "Oh, we didn't know you guys were together because I didn't change my last name." So mm. they were just kind of like, "Oh, that's funny because you both have books through Action Lab." Um, but uh, yeah, he also writes comics, um, and he's very hardcore like comic books person, but he's very mellow, so you're not going to be able to get that from him. Mm. It's it's really funny because the first time. We were walking through a comic book shop. He would just pull out a book and say, and he would just tell me like the creative team behind it and like what happened. Like, oh, there was a fallout, and this one guy works now with this guy, and this. I was just like looking at him, like, what? How do you know this? Like, this is. <laughs> I just want to know if it's a good story, but you're telling me like about these, you know, creative teams' lives, you know, and yeah. and how interconnected and how niche our community is because it is a lot of people know each other. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And you've you've written uh, one book with him, is that right? Or have you done? Yeah, there's one book and which had Chilia Latella um do the art. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did it all in watercolors and so it was called The Golden Age. So it's about this girl, um, post World War Two, um, finding a stash of comics and she's inspired to become like a hero herself. But since it's after the war, she's like, Okay, well, I could train, but you know, I'll be prepared for the next, you know war quote-unquote yeah. that will happen but mm. um yeah it was basically uh, i guess a smaller story of this girl trying to find um a silver lining and just uh, getting more confident and brave through these comics but um yeah mm. 
And for um, this, for the um, uh, Butterfly, Golden Age, and Night on Earth. One Night on Earth, yeah. One Night on Earth. Um, they, they, were they all self-published, or did you go through anyone? Yeah, they were all self-published. Like, uh, by the slides, it, it almost looks like a zine, so it's, it's very, like, it's black and white. Um, but um, the other two, yeah, they were self-published through us. Um, we put it through Comixology, so it's, mm-hmm. on, it's on a digital platform. But, uh, yeah, we all had to print it out. And um, I wasn't planning on trying to get a publisher because they're all smaller stories are all self-contained mm-hmm. but for mm, the series that i am want to write besides cash and carry i want to get it to a publisher so right so they could actually send it out you know <laughs> and get it <laughs> a more mass appeal i guess yeah um one night enough was uh, you worked with a, a bunch of different artists right was there five or six that you uh, yeah it was five stories um five short stories and um, all the, all the creative, um, team is, are, they were women. So mm-hmm. they were, you know, female artists, letterers, colorists. And so, um, they were all different types. I mean, I wish I had the names of all of them. I know one of them, uh, the colorist was Jules Rivera for one of the stories. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Jules has been in here. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, the cover artist who I love, I follow her on Instagram, uh, Giovanna Toroni. Um, she does great, uh, inks. So uh, she did the cover art, which was both like ink and uh, watercolors and like pastel or something. It was just really pretty. So that, that got to be like one of the talking points where like, oh, that's, this looks like a really great cover. What's this about? So I think that's always important to, to mm. kind of like put, um, thought into your cover for your book because it does sell it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, I don't, I don't get much people talking about that though. The one night on earth, I, it's just been a while since we've done conventions too though. Right. Okay. Well, what, when was the last convention? Uh, we didn't do any last year because we didn't have any books. Um, uh-huh. and then this year we're planning to, um, go to a few conventions. Um, but again, I guess it was like two years ago that we actually tabled. Right. But, um. We were, again, we we're trying to save money to make the comics too. So yeah. that's always a consideration. <laughs> yeah, that's always the, the juggling act is like, do you, do you, like, the cost of a weekend convention could pay for half a book sometimes. No, but you... <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we're gearing up for conventions, I guess, later in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't decided which ones, but. We, we want to do a few outside of California. Right, yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fun and exciting. Um, I just got my box of Cash and Carry Volume 1 um, last week. So, oh, wow. So we're going to be able to sell that uh, at our table. I know Rob's trying to get Slayer. Mm-hmm. So that'll be, that'll be good to... I don't know how to package it. We'll probably have to... <laughs> we probably have to either do carry-on or just like ship it to whatever hotel we're going to be at. But, yeah. That's that's a logistical nightmare for me. I'm like, I don't want to have to deal with this. It's like self-publishing all over again. <laughs> when did Cash and Carry come out? Um, it came out um, November, December. So, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to think. Um, because I know Rob's book, his his trade came out like this, kind of like almost the same, or the week after Volume 1 came out. Mm-hmm. So, 
right? And it's a different format because it's a longer. For you, you said before that the the stuff you were doing was like is contained uh, short little stories. Yeah. And then um, Cash and Carry is longer in its its volume work, um, and it's how like. 50 or 60 pages or something? Or? Yeah. Um, so volume one actually is comprised of short stories. Because the, f- <laughs> the first one was the one we did for the Kickstarter. Oh, okay. So it was um, that one. So I guess that's like the, the first issue or the preview issue. Mm-hmm. And then comes a longer story. And then there's a few other shorter stories all with the same characters. And then so it's, yeah, um, that comprises volume one. For volume two, um, we're gearing up to have like a longer story arc. Mm-hmm. So, and we're not going to be um, selling issues. We just want to do volumes because, I mean, people buy trades more than they buy issues. I mean, that's just, I feel like it's more cost effective. Mm-hmm. So, um, because if you like the first issue, you would want to save up money to buy the full trade to get the whole story. Yeah. I mean, from a reader standpoint, that's what I think. Like, oh, I, I like it so much, I'm going to save my money for the trade. Even mm-hmm. though I know for indie uh, creators, it doesn't matter when you buy the issues, when you put it on your pull list and such. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that, um, you know, it's kind of a, a double edged sword because they're, when you're an indie creator, there's no time restraints. There's no, like, you can, you release them as they come, basically. Yeah. Um, but, the if you're a reader and you're looking at indie work then you know there there are a, there's a lot of books that that die that get one or two issues in and, and vanish and it's you know making that choice if you see the commitments there to do a whole run then you're more likely to to buy it but for people that are doing it book by book it's kind of that struggle of convincing people to get one or two issues here and there and then wait for the next one and and a lot of the time it is just you're at shows and you're seeing people come through like you said that you haven't done a show for two years because you haven't put a book out but there's like a you know that's it it's true you do need to have new stuff if you keep going to the same show again and again it seems yeah yeah I, it's just kind of you want to draw in new a bigger audience and you know even the, the older readers that know your stuff they want to come back and find something new on your table mm-hmm. so um we'll see <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately everything takes longer than than you want it to be um so like i don't know if when volume two is going to come out but i mean the way things go like a lot of it, it takes time to create that stuff i mean you, mm-hmm. you're reliant on other people's schedules so yeah and what's your uh, what's your writing process like? Do you do you write every day or? I should write every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's funny because I even if I can't write something comic book related, I'll write. You know, like I don't have a blog, but I kind of have a journal, kind of like trying to get my writing muscles kind of like working. So um, it's kind of like a kind of like a warm up. Mm-hmm. So if I could at least write something else, like. Um, creative I always start with that like you know my day-to-day like you know what happened or whatever or what I'm thinking or whatever's on my mind mm-hmm. um, but yeah usually I, I just go in sprints um, I wish I could write every day <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean you can but it's just uh, to have that routine and I'm not one to always have a routine mm-hmm. uh, even exercising I can't do <laughs> for more than three times a week <laughs> but um, yeah yeah um, 
it's funny because um, in the off we have an office, and so I have a desk, and Rob has a desk. So usually we're writing together, even though we're not writing together. Yeah. So a few times, if I'm under deadline, like I was uh, last week, uh, I just yell to him like, "What's another word for this?" And he's like, "This." Like it's almost like we're each other's like reference. <laughs> <laughs> or I would tell him like, "Is there an instance where this happened in a, in a panel?" You know, like. Uh, like for me it's always hard to write in um sound effects mm-hmm. i can't write that in a script i really don't i'm that doesn't come naturally to me so he's like oh i think this would be good and he would like pull out like some like golden age like book and he'd be like oh this one you know like oh okay that looks good so i mean he's he's always good for reference and, yeah and same thing for me like he'll say can you read this can you make sure it makes sense i'm like yeah, it makes sense. Just change that. You know? <laughs> so it's it's funny how we, we work that way. But mm-hmm. We're still very independent because he likes his stuff and I like my stuff. <laughs> do you um, do you write full scripts when you write, or do you start by plotting? Um, what's what's the what's your system? Do you do you like oh. make notes and then go into full script, or do you do you plot and then script after you've written the outline? Or yeah, um, for. I mean, I usually do an outline and I've learned that, you know, I can't just have a rough outline. I need a pretty specific outline. <laughs> um, so I would just do an outline and it's almost like it's almost like um, just kind of just telling what's happening. Mm-hmm. And from there, I'm able to see, OK, well, not much is happening here. So this needs to <laughs> this needs more action. Um, so I prefer outlining. And then from there. I try to do, and I used to do like for an outline, like kind of do a sum up of each page. So if I know if it's going to be 22 mm-hmm. pages for an issue, I do like 22 like um, paragraphs. Right. So um, that really helps. And again, it's kind of like I need to do that so I know where I'm going, but also if I need to move things up because like pacing is a big deal for me. Tone is a big deal for me mm-hmm. and I want to get that right. So, um, even though in my head, I already hear the dialogue, I hold off and make sure the story beats are there first. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I mean, I could just write conversations all live long day, but that's kind of boring visually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I, I do that first and then go in and start breaking it out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Hmm. And you were saying that you have a, you've got another long form idea that, that you had a while back, but you wanted to do these short things first. What's the, the long form idea? Is it something that? Um, I mean, it's funny. It's like, once you start writing one thing, you're like, oh, but I have this other idea. And then you're like, oh, that's going to take long again. <laughs> so, yeah, I have this one idea that my initial one from years ago. It's funny because I have a legal pad and I wrote down the year. Mm-hmm. I believe it was like 2008 or 2009. It was 2009. And I started writing like this, what I w- want to spend time on. But I haven't looked at it in forever because I've been putting it in the back burner. But now I'm thinking like, oh, I got to pull it out and really invest. And it's, it's something, again, it's, I guess, a bunch of like ragtag team kids mm-hmm. in a post-apocalyptic L.A. Mm. And I'm just like, well, that's really close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, otherwise, you know, I... Looking back, I'm just like, oh, I see some things that, you know, weren't there before mm-hmm. and I want to improve on. But, um, yeah, again, it's, I have so many other ideas I also want to spend time on. It's just unfortunate. I, I don't have 
not the time, but also you kind of have to have the budget <laughs> to invest in yeah. each idea. Yeah. And um, you also have to think, well, if I do a Kickstarter, I get my, my money back, but that's just, I don't know. I never done a Kickstarter. I, I kind of frightened by the whole idea of <laughs> <laughs> filling out orders and answering people's questions. Like, when's my book in? I, I don't know. That's a logistical nightmare to me. Yeah, they, they can be very overwhelming. They can really, because they, they take a lot of time. That's the thing. That's what people tell me. They're like, it's a full-time job. I'm like, I don't, I, I don't, I already have a full-time job. I don't, <laughs> unless I like literally use my vacation days to spend like the first week of Kickstarter. But I mean, that's just madness to me. Hmm. But um, <clears throat> I mean, my ultimate goal would be like, if like, you know, crossing my fingers, if some publishers like, just send me an idea and I'll let you know if we're going to, you know, invest in it. I'm like, great. That's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> because that way I'd be like, okay, I have this idea, I have this idea. Otherwise, it's you're really investing in yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a bit scary. It's like a bit of a shot in the dark. Yeah. It might fail. <laughs> and there yeah. goes and there goes that investment. Mm-hmm. So, With um, Cash and Carry, did you pitch that or was that just because you had the relationship with Action Labs and it kind of grew from that or? Uh, no, uh, the co-creator, Sean Pryor, he actually contacted me mm-hmm. uh, through Twitter because it, we were following each other. And then he contacted me because he had the idea uh-huh. of Cash and Carry. So he had the idea of um, these two characters, these two like preteen characters, you know, solving crimes. And I was just like, oh, it's like a kitty X-Files, you know. Mm-hmm. And so he had the idea and then he was like, can you write the story? I was like, great. And then so I sent him the story and then he puts in like his input and you know um any ideas that he has and i know the for volume one he wrote like two of the last short stories Mm -hmm. so um we're co-creators and um for him since he was already one of the um, main people at action lab at that time you Mm -hmm. know he was leaving because he wanted more he wanted to create his own stuff Mm-hmm. So, but since he already had those contacts, he kind of was like, okay, well, do you guys want to publish it for us? <laughs> so it was, um, so he did a lot of the heavy lifting and in terms of like promotion and getting contact with all these publishers because he already had all these relationships already. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of great. I'm like, good. I don't want to have to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be what I want to be which is the writer but if you're self-publishing you have to be you know the manager the editor you know the promotions person you know you just have to be all these things i'm like um i'd much rather have someone else do it (laughs) (laughs) in my mind do you like going to shows though or is that is that just another like you said it's something that you'd rather someone else (laughs) (laughs) um well that's the thing like i uh, when you table at a show, you're at your table the whole day mm-hmm. and it's exhausting. And I remember, what was it? One year. Were you there? Like this one year in Kamikaze, it was like a 12 hour day. Mm. It was, it was exhausting. It was like Saturday. Wow. It was like from, I, I think it was from like 8am to like 7pm. Yeah. Yeah. It was something, something ridiculous like that. And I was just like, this is, this is crazy. Like, First of all, no one's going to be here at 8 a.m., like, much less me. <laughs> but, I mean, it was just, um, yeah, it was a very long three-day weekend. Um, so, to me, I'm like, I'd much rather <laughs> be invited to sign <laughs> than walk around the <laughs> walk around the convention hall. That's that's my ideal. Mm. But if I have a table, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have great table mates anyways because it's always going to be Jared and 
Rob. So yeah. And then, you know, depending if you're, if it's local, like sometimes I see you, I see, mm-hmm. I see our other mutual friends there. So it's, at least we have people that we could, you know, get drinks with afterwards. So Yeah. Yeah. That's the, I mean, I, I'm awful at shows because I always get up and just without walking around, I'm never at my table because <laughs> it's, I, I, I haven't quite, you know, I, I'm, I'm like, you have a day job, so I'm at work and then when a show comes up, it's normally a weekend thing and. I don't want to work over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I just go there and then I'm like, okay, I'll put the books out and then I'll go and wander off and see what's out there and see people. But the actual sitting behind the table is like the last thing I want to do. When I'm there. Yeah. So <laughs> I sit at a desk all day. I don't want to sit. I mean, technically, I sh- think you should stand mm-hmm. um, to, I guess, be more inviting. But I don't know. It's kind of a little awkward when you see Jared, Rob, and me all just stand with our arms crossed <laughs> because it just looks kind of intimidating so we always have to be conscious like okay let's just take a step back and have people browse (laughs) um um but yeah it's it's one of those things that i'd much rather have someone else do it but i mean i love going to conventions anyways because it's almost like you're you're seeing faces that you don't typically see like every other day anyways so it's Mm -hmm. like oh i haven't seen this person in a while you know how how are they doing you know let me support them and buy their book so it's always It's always, if anything, inspiring to see, oh, what else did they put out? That's great. You know, I know this person. They put a lot of work into it. So it's great to see it finally come into fruition. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, um, the last few shows I've been to has been a real, um, like the, the number of people who are actually putting books out has shrunk at the, in the artist alley or in the, the small press area. Um, WonderCon was really good, actually. The WonderCon had a lot of, of people with books there but it seemed like there was a period maybe a year ago where it just became prints and original art yeah um, which is great because you a lot of people go there and they see they meet an artist and they get an original piece and it's it's such a, a great thing to do i got um a couple of things that i picked up that i would never have otherwise other than going to these shows um but the the actual number of books has really dropped down recently and i think there was I'm trying to remember which show it was. It might have been at the the Long Beach. Oh, okay. Um, last year, I think there was maybe ten or fifteen people with books that were there. Yeah. In the, in the whole area, and I mean that's it's still a lot of of people, roughly, but it's you know there's, not enough. Yeah, there's hundreds of tables, <laughs> <laughs> and it just seems like it's it's kind of dropping down. And I I do wonder because you know it's such a, a slog when you're when you're starting out and I think a lot of people go to shows and think, Oh, I can do this. I can make a book and I can sell go it. To the, yeah. And then you realize that it's actually like hard work for, to sell one book can take all day sometimes. And yeah, you know, it's, and, but, but I think you, you touched upon that idea of like, it's a real community thing where you, people are there to support each other, which is really good, which you don't get unless you're at these shows and you don't, you don't get. I, th- there's two things that I I really like about shows is that you get that sense of community and you do see people and you talk to people about what they're creating and they talk to you about what you're creating, and also that when you do when someone does buy a book from you, you actually have like a an, an interaction with them on a one-to-one level, which is really really cool. Yeah, I mean that's to me that's always um, like because I'm not in the type of person that like okay we need to sell. X amount of books today, you know. Yeah. I also want to go home miserable. No, I'm like, you know, <laughs> I, I'm I'm not 
I don't think like that. Um, especially, I mean, sometimes when you try to sell someone and they're like kind of interested and then it's like, was it the price? Was it the story? And they walk away. Yeah. When, when you get to that point, you're like, okay, just take a break, walk around <laughs> convention hall. Because I, in my mind, like, you know, I, I primarily want to see what other people are creating mm-hmm. because if you can support me, great. If not, you know, support me online, you know, digitally, that also works too. But um, just kind of make it a point to, you know, if anything, um, go see the friends that you made so far in this community. And, hey, you know, maybe another person might want to draw your book, you know. Yeah. So. Hmm. Um, so where were you, you, did you grow up in Florida or? Yeah, I was born in Miami. Uh-huh. Uh, so, but my family is from Peru. My right. grandfather was from Milan, Italy. Uh-huh. But, um, my parents literally emigrated, uh, to the States in the seventies with their seven kids. Mm-hmm. And then they had me. So I'm number eight. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as my dad says, good you could become president i'm like great <laughs> that's not at all like intimidating <laughs> that's a lot on my shoulders dad but um yeah um i grew up in a i guess a big household just because i don't you know my parents had a lot of kids so mm-hmm. i mean i have a lot of brothers and sisters um being the youngest it's it's funny because i'm the baby of the family but so by the time i left you know everyone else had already left too so mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean i still have family members in Florida. I have one sister in Alabama. Um, so yeah. And I still have family in Peru and in Italy, of course. Mm-hmm. Do you visit Peru and Italy? Um, I, I visited Italy a few times. Um, and then Peru, I guess it is either to visit Peru more often than Italy. Um, uh, for Lima, my dad actually lives there half the year because he still works. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he has an apartment there, so anytime we go, you know, we stay with him, and it's great because it's since it's southern hemisphere, like you know, right now they're in summer, mm-hmm. so <laughs> uh, around this time we would go to the beach house, you know, um, and so yeah, it's it's funny because I'm like thinking, oh, you know, if, especially during this climate, I'm like I could always move back to Peru, but <laughs> I'm not really from there so i can't go back technically (laughs) but um yeah uh we we could certainly go there every year if we wanted to but uh with rob and i we both work so we can't really do that Mm -hmm. and same thing even getting back home to miami uh for the holidays is hard and Mm. and his parents live in new hampshire so oh okay so it's kind of like okay um we have to trade off. So which year is it? <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Mm. Did pretty you did you write when you were a kid as well, or was? Uh... Uh, yeah, my mom. Oh, this is funny, because my mom reminded me, and I completely forgot. Because why would I remember <laughs> that? I guess I used to do like a, a household newspaper, like mm. kind of like <laughs> this week in our household because we had a big household. You know, it was just like my sister did this and my brother did that, and then you know it was just. I was just like, oh God, I hope you didn't, I hope you didn't keep it, but I, I would feel like you would be the mom that would keep it. So, but yeah, it was funny. She reminded me of that and I was like, oh, okay. And I guess I wrote a few articles back in eighth grade or something. Mm-hmm. But, um, again, it was one of those things that I was like, 
I wasn't going to pursue because I was kind of like, I don't want to starve. <laughs> <laughs> I should get a practical job. But I mean, that, you know, this, I certainly wasn't going to be an accountant. I was terrible at math. But um, yeah, anything else, it was, it didn't really interest me except for like science. Like science interests me. And, mm. you know, I at one point wanted to become a vet mm. because I love animals so much. But um, yeah, that's. I didn't get past bio, biology in college level, so I was like, "Then it's not it's not going to be the medical field in that arena." So it's fine. <laughs> do you ever do any writing at work, or is it just like uh, do do you it like it takes up quite a, a large chunk of your day, the job that you have? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I work at post in a post production, um, and it's funny because I have a bullet journal, like. Uh-huh. A, it's funny because I recently got it because I have a whole bunch of like empty journals like everywhere um, that I start and not finish. But with this, I'm able to kind of put everything I need in there. So mm-hmm. there's like um, like a chapter for like music I want to download because I hear music on Pandora. I'll be like, oh, this sounds like I want to listen to it more. And so I have all these lists mm-hmm. and in there I have like lists of ideas. So <laughs> I at work, I would be like, oh, I have this wonderful idea. and I just write it down. And it's it's great because it's kind of like it's almost like having a planner, but I'm not planning on anything. It's more like, oh, this is my future to do list. Mm-hmm. So um, and not to mention, I mean, I used to have it's funny when I was younger, I used to have a dream journal by my bed because I would wake up and be like, oh, I had a dream about this. And um, I would always keep like a pad of paper in my purse in case a random idea came up. So it was always like a post-its. Mm-hmm. But um but now I'm being a little more organized and I'm carrying a bigger purse. So I guess I can <laughs> carry a journal versus before I was like, it's too big. I'd rather just write on a napkin. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I write at work, but very discreetly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because people would notice. Uh, um, yeah. But I, it's funny because my manager, he knows I write comic books and mm-hmm. he's, and he, um, he reads comic books. So he was actually asking me about, you know, what do you read? And he's a big DC guy. And mm. he was, um, so a few times we've actually traded uh, comics. So oh, he's wow. like, yeah. He's like, oh, here's, you know, just a league or whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, here's an independent <laughs> one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's funny. Like we get to like have that in common because a lot of my other managers didn't have that. So mm-hmm. to me, like he's, it's very cool in my book. <laughs> so he understands I, I, if I take off for a convention, you know, it's important. So it's, yeah. he doesn't give me crap about it or anything. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of like, oh, yeah, like, let me know when's your next book coming out <laughs> so I can <laughs> buy it. So, yeah. Hmm. Have you always um, gravitated towards independent stuff? Um, yeah, and it's not like I'm um, knocking the big two. It's just, um, I, I mean, they revamped so many times um, that I'm just like, kind of get lost in that mm-hmm. um but with independent stuff it's it's very much um that that creator control where like this is what i want for it i'm not i don't have to adhere to any guidelines mm-hmm. um versus like uh, marvel and dc there's certain things they don't want their characters to be doing but like independent like it's their own character so it's it's whatever they want um and so i don't know i just feel like I prefer looking to more creator-owned stuff from, like, Brian K. Vaughn and then um, some of the other ones, like uh, Jeremy Holt stuff, you know, is 
that's like one of the people that we know mm-hmm. that um, is um, coming out with all these different series. Um, Ryan Ferrier is another one that to look out for. Mm-hmm. And then, so it's kind of like, yeah, I just prefer to look at that stuff. Like, even when I go to a comic book shop, I kind of like bypass all the Marvel DC and just go straight to independent stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of like um, um, House of Secrets. That's a really good indie section. I'm always... Yeah. Like they have the, the the front, they have the Marvel and DC rack that's together, and I'm just like, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, you just go to the right, and <laughs> and it, yeah, and it's great because then I'll be like, oh, this looks interesting, and I'll I'll pick that up, and I'll pick this up, and then um, I used to have more on my pull list. I don't have that much anymore. Mm. Um, do you do you go through um, do you go through previews for the pull list, I, or do you? I don't. It's usually if I pick up the first issue and I really like it, then I tell them, you know, put this on my pull list. Mm-hmm. So the next issue. Um, so yeah, it's, it's funny because it's, um, it's unfair for me to judge the first issue, uh, especially since, you know, I don't want anyone judging my first issue of any series, but I mean, it's kind of like you only have so much time mm-hmm. to um, invest in a comic book that you just like, well, I have all the, I have a huge stack of, things I want to read, you know, why should I spend the time and money for a story that, you know, is not going anywhere or is just, mm. you know, I'm not getting out of anything out of it. So to me, I'm like, if I don't like in the first issue, eh, I, I'll, <laughs> I'll spend my time, you know, enjoying something I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a real skill. I, I, um, like Brian Cable, when you mentioned him a couple of times and he, he is great at first issues, and yeah. he is great at, at the at a like a traditional comic book monthly format. Every ending makes you want to read the next one, but it doesn't leave you wanting more that instant. It's like satisfying, and then you want to see where it goes next. He's really good at, at maintaining that. But first issues are are tough. I, I think he's like one of the one of the masters around at the moment for that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is there anything that you're that caught your eye, like the first issue? Like, it doesn't have to be anything recent, but you're like, oh, I got to read more of this. Um, let me think. I mean, it's 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 been such a long time since I've been getting monthly books. I've just been picking up random books here and there. Um, uh, uh Copra, uh, Michelle okay. Five's book. I I love that. Um. What else? Um, going back, Hellboy that really caught me, and it's so weird now because it was it was co-written and <laughs> by uh, John Byrne and oh okay and uh, Mike Mignola, and it's so it's like you can really see that fir- when he first appeared, you can see the difference in the writing style, and then after that, BP. Um, is it BPRD? I can't remember. PPRD, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the the um, that book is is like so much tighter and so much better, I think, than than the um, the first issue there. So it's maybe that's a, a bad example, Hellboy, but it definitely did make me want to read more. Um, I can't really think. I mean, it's I I like again, uh, like Saga was was a really good first issue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, even um, the other one that was on online strictly. It was a private eye. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was like, oh, I 
I was like hoping I'm like, oh, it's got to become into a book. You know, I just got to have it on my shelf. And, <laughs> and finally it did. So I was like, great. <laughs> you heard my prayers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I'm trying to think of like recently that I'm like, oh, like four kids walk into a bank. I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's um, it's through Black Mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they've been putting out some good books. Yeah. That is, it's funny, like when you... Uh, getting into like some titles you start to notice the publishers more mm-hmm. so you're like okay i want more from this publisher and this publisher and yeah 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 that's true you definitely i think it's it's such a, a it's not so much house style but like there's definitely um publishers have tones now and you kind of are drawn to those so um like for a long time marvel and dc the tone of marvel and dc hasn't interested me hasn't hooked me at all Mm-hmm. And it's not because I think they put out bad books. It's just that that's not, I don't feel what they're putting out as much. Right. Um, oh, um, Jonathan Hickman's, uh, God, I can't remember. Is it Black Monday Murders or something like that? Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I really like that. Yeah, I like his stuff too. Oh, what was the last one I read? Um, it's funny because I, I could see the art and I know the colorist. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I can't I can't remember the title. I'm really bad with I'm really bad with names in general. So mm-hmm. when I put on the spot, I'll be like, um, it's the one <laughs> what's about the Secret Service guy and some intrigue. Um, but yeah. Uh, there's some others that I'm trying to think that um I mean there's some old series that have finally ended which i'm sad about chew was being one of them mm-hmm. um but again it was one of those things even though it came through image um which is a popular indie publisher but, you know it was a very bizarre premise yeah and i remember the first issue i was like this is really cool i really like it um and then i started buying trades after that but um yeah um i'm a big chew fan um I don't know what other series is out right now that I'm just like, uh, honestly, it's been a while. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm reading bitch planet by, you know, uh, Kelly Sue. Mm-hmm. Um, that's on my pull list. And then, oh, that's funny. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like thinking, Oh man, I should have just looked at my, my big to read pile and see what I have next. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's been kind of a, a crazy few months. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. Hmm. And for your stuff, you said you have it on Comixology? Yeah. Um, like for the self-published stuff is through Ginger Rabbit mm-hmm. Studio. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cash and Carry, you can find an Action Lab. And there you, you can, I don't even know how much it is. Because why would I buy my own book? <laughs> but um, I'm sure I'm sure it's like just buying me five bucks or something. Mm-hmm. But um, and you can get it through Amazon too. Amazon Kindle, you can get it digitally there too. Okay. And um, uh, does Ginger Rabbit have a website? Yeah. Um, I we're working on a better website, but our current <laughs> website is more like a blog. It's uh, gingerrabbitstudio.com. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for coming down. Thank you for having me. That's it for the show. We'll be back in two weeks. You can find us online at whoiampodcast.com and contact us by email at whoiam at gmail.com or by phone at 818-308-4066. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, there is a submissions form on the site. We're also on iTunes where you can leave a rating if you feel inclined. Thank you for listening. 
I'm your host, Jamie Gamble, and this was This Is Who I Am. 